Now, hear the good news and be not afraid. Good morning and welcome to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. Father P.J., good morning. Good morning, Father. Let us begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty ever-living God, who chose what is weak in the world to confound the strong, mercifully grant that we who celebrate the heavenly birthday of your martyr, St. Agnes, may follow his constant in the faith through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. And the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have had a very interesting week, Father. So we can um, combine this edition between martyrs. That is very interesting, like Agnes, the person that we mentioned in the opening prayer, and also that Desert Fathers as well. That's right. So, so, so this week, we're really uniquely privileged. Uh, we get kind of a window into church history in the course of a, of a single week of the year. Um, and what I mean by that is we, we celebrate uh, two feasts of, of important martyrs, St. Agnes and also St. Uh, Fabian and Sebastian, which obviously should be important for you, Father. Because I'm martyred. You're, uh, uh, yeah, right? You're <laughs> martyred every day in the parish. Um, the, uh, the, the Spanish and Italian here, right? The, the onomastico, right? The, the, onomastico, the, the, right. The, 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 saint, the name day. Um, and this is, you know, this is something that I think um, our Anglo families really could learn a great deal from to, to, to really I- intentionally celebrate the name day, especially with children in the house, so that the children can grow in affection and devotion of that particular saint. Right. It was easy for me because my given name's Patrick, so it was already a holiday for, for, for my family. For but, a lot of people, huh? But, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of people go through life with a, a really powerful, important name and don't even know who it's attached to. But the reason these uh, two sets of saints are so important is because both Agnes and then uh, Fabian and Sebastian, who are, who are tied together, they're feasted at the same time, um, uh, they represent martyrs of the early church, those first witnesses who gave their blood to testify to Christ. And St. Anthony, this is not St. Anthony of Padua, St. Anthony that our, our parish here in town is named after. It's the guy he was named after, um, St. Anthony the Abbot, who's really considered the father of monasticism. He's not the first monk. But he's maybe the best of the first monks. And his story winds up affecting all of religious life uh, going forward. To enlighten a little bit our audience, when we're talking about Desert Fathers, what is the meaning to talking about the Desert Fathers? Are we talking about uh, Egyptians' origins or Desert Insert as a geographical place? Or how we can define that? Yeah, good. So, so, so the Desert Fathers is a kind of uh, collective term that's used to refer to the earliest hermit monks of the church. In the earliest, earliest days, uh, probably by the end of the first century, so so within a generation of the of the Lord's own resurrection, there were Christians who very deliberately fled the cities uh, where where mo- more people were and where more temptation was, right? And who found themselves in the desert. Now, sometimes that was a desert in a in a, a climactic sense. Other times, it was a desert in a um, uh, in a more metaphorical sense, but in the wilderness in the outside, um, uh, who led lives of prayer and penance. And their, their, their whole goal was to be, was to be well, the, the word monk comes from this, right? A uh, monos, uh, alone, 
They wanted to be alone with God and for God. Very early on, they learned to come together in smaller groups, um, if not living together, at least living near each other so that they could be support for each other, both in prayer and fraternity. And in the Christian West, which is where what our tradition is, uh, the, the, the Latin rite of the church, um, this really came to be typified most by St. Benedict and the Benedictines. Um, that's that's a kind of monkhood or monasticism called Cenobitic monasticism, which is where you live together in a house. Um, the, 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 the more common one in the East, in Egypt and Syria and Palestine, where all this is coming from, um, is called Sketic monasticism. Um, and it's because they live, uh, or Hermetic monasticism, it's because they live in individual little huts um, but come together to a common place for prayer and maybe for meals. So two main... Two main elements to keep in mind. So, isolated spirituality, mm -hmm. silence, mm -hmm. and consistent prayer during mm -hmm. the whole day. Mm -hmm. Like uh, we have been prayer the liturgy of ours. Mm -hmm. It's a discipline that these men have been legacy to us. That's right. So, the, so, so the life of the diocesan priest in the West today... Um, should in some ways reflect that of the Desert Fathers, because most of us live alone. Now, some of us, because of the kinds of ministries that, that we perform, um, uh, or because of practicalities, live together. You live at Dowling with several other priests. Uh, the Rectory at Christ the King has several other priests. We're a little more cenobitic, right? We, we live in the same building as other people and hopefully are running into each other with some, some frequency. But the, the point here is, and this is desperately important for all Christians, priests, religious, or lay people, The way that we live should be intentional. It should be on purpose. If we live together, we should live together on purpose and not by accident. If we live alone, we should make that solitude on purpose and not accidental. Absolutely. And also it's a, in a consistent testimony of life. What, what are you living for? So one of the famous one is this Anthony. Right. Anthony. So Antony is, 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 as I said, he's not the first because, of course, the very beginning of his story is that he goes out, right? And there are any monks there that he learns, that he learns from. But, um, but he winds up living in the desert for more than 80 years by himself as a solitary. People periodically come to him for advice, and then and this becomes kind of a trope or a theme in, in uh, saints' lives. Um, you know, the, the, the Holy One tries to go off and be by themselves, but their personality is so attractive, no one will leave them alone. And so this happens over and over and over again. But um, St. Anthony's life uh, really reads in some ways almost like a, a comic book or a superhero. Um, he, 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 he does even physical battle with the devil and the demons who come to try and tempt him away. Um, he has to deal at times with less supernatural, but just very natural forces like uh, brigands or thieves. Uh, you know, today we would think of as like street gangs. Um, and, uh, and he has to deal with very real practicalities of being basically broke and by yourself in, in, in the desert. But he does so in a way that not only helps him grow in holiness, But his holiness seems to, like, rub off on other people. Mm -hmm. Father literally said that he is the patron from amputees, amputees, basket makers, basket weavers, brush makers, butchers, cemetery workers. So in a very remarkable manner, it's so interesting. So these particular duties receive an, a special protection from a monk. That's exactly right. You know, the cemetery bit, I think, is especially important because a lot of people today um, are afraid of cemeteries. 
like and I, there are a lot of complicated reasons for this probably but a lot of people are afraid of cemeteries and grave diggers are weird or creepy or something and our history really speaks the opposite cemeteries are holy places and so in the past it was precisely the monks who were sort of the caretakers of the dead Iowa Catholic Radio be not afraid 60 seconds with Archbishop Fulton J Sheen Peace be to you Now there actually is such a thing in the world as authoritarianism. It is communism. What is the essence of authoritarianism? Well, I would say it was threefold. First, it subjects the mind to dogmas. Two, it makes fear the basis of obedience. Three, it destroys freedom of thought. Now the church has none of these qualities. It could not have them. Because remember that our blessed Lord lived in the midst of authoritarianism the people among whom he moved were under the power of the romans furthermore all of the pharisees were authoritarian so when therefore our blessed lord founded his church naturally he made it a bulwark against all forms of authoritarianism the people you know and trust are on ewtn Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Established in Des Moines in 1924, St. Vincent de Paul assists those living in poverty to become self-sufficient by helping to remove roadblocks on their journey out of poverty. St. Vincent de Paul helps with food, clothing, and shelter while also offering classes in financial literacy, high school completion, career readiness, and prisoner reentry. Shop, donate, volunteer, serve. The Society of St. Vincent de Paul, svdpdsm.org. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Mercy College of Health Sciences, where you can chart your course for more. They provide unparalleled clinical rotations, hands-on learning, accelerated education, and flexible schedules, all part of the Mercy College experience. Learn more at mchs.edu. Welcome back to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. Father PJ, so we move in from a Very, very oldest monk with the strongest uh, discipline, spiritual fidelity as well. But also we have two very remarkable uh, figures in this week as a martyrs. St. Agnes, obviously, and St. Sebastian and St. Fabian as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so the connection here between the two, between the two kind of sets of saints that we're dealing with. So St. Anthony, <laughs> whom we talked about in the last segment, is, is called the father of monks. And the monks were attempting to live a martyr's life without dying. Or as the Desert Fathers say, if you die before you die, then you won't have to die when you die. They were doing this in imitation of the actual martyrs, that is, those saints who in the, in the earliest centuries of the church gave their lives for, for the faith. Um, uh, Fabian, Sebastian, and Agnes all wind up falling under the great persecution of Diocletian, who was a very nasty Roman emperor who really, really didn't like Christians. And there's been a lot of stuff in more recent years uh, around um, the early martyrs and whether or not we're kind of making the whole story up and all this sort of business. And here's what I think is important for sort of the everyday Catholic to know. It is entirely true that the kind of Reader's Digest version of church history that we often got, like maybe in high school or something, was, was, was not the whole story, just like the Reader's Digest version of, I don't know, The Civil War probably wasn't the whole story, right? right. But that doesn't mean that it's untrue, right? Um, it is true that f- for the most part, 
there wasn't just like one like from you know 70 AD until 325. It's just the church was under constant persecution all over the, the, the empire. That didn't happen. But there were periodic bouts of persecution, usually because something else was going on, and the Christians made helpful scapegoats. And so um, d- the reign of Diocletian was the worst of the worst for everybody, and it was especially intense in and around Rome proper. And it's th- that's the kind of the background story of these three saints and martyrs. And at the same time, it's important to clarify to our audience one of the things that we, when we're talking about martyrs, martyrs is martyrs to God and for God as well. And uh, in, the, in the modern world, understanding mar- martyrs is like a masochism, people that wants to suffer in without any, literally, if I use the word, sacrifice himself. So in terms of spirituality, it's good to make this difference today. So the, to don't create dramatic or misunderstanding what is the role of the martyrs today, you know? That's exactly right. So the the the, the word martyr has gotten, frankly, kind of a bad, uh, bad rep, right? Um, bad connotation it, yeah, in some if, ways, if, you know? If, if you have a martyr complex, right, psychologically speaking, this means that you're like going out and seeking suffering. Actually dramatic. Right? <laughs> Real martyrs don't do that. Um, and likewise, especially after the horror of September 11th, those those uh, Muslim men that believed they were they were being martyrs by no classical account, Christian or Muslim, would those men count um, right. as, as 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 what constitute um, martyrdom um, instead. Right. What a martyr does, the word martyr, of course, means witness. And, and what it means is that the person bears testimony to something by their deaths. So that the Christian martyrs bore testimony by their death to the reality of the Lord Jesus, to his, to his cross and resurrection, uh, to, to, to the, the church and, and its place here on earth. Now, it's certainly true. Each of the martyrs has their own human story that's bound up in this. And, um, and like anybody, motives are mixed and confused, right? Um, pope uh, St. Fabian was a pope, and so he had to deal with all kinds of political intrigue. St. Sebastian was a soldier. He had to deal with the dynamics of, of, of trying to be a soldier and also a Christian. And St. Agnes, of course, was a virgin, um, and, and somebody wanted her not to be a virgin. And, and, so, and so there's, there, there are, there's sexual politics and, uh, and um, you know, sort of gender components that are attached to all that. But it's much like, uh, you know, in, in the much more contemporary martyr, uh, Maria Goretti, who, who dies uh, in, in the course of an attempted rape, um, sometimes we make it sound like what she's a martyr for is like not getting raped. That's not the idea at all. She's a martyr for Jesus. In fact, as the guy's attacking her, she doesn't say, don't rape me, don't rape me. What she says is, you'll go to hell. It's a sin. You'll go to hell. Her concern is for the person who's hurting her. That's a very different thing than than being anxious over sort of my own personal stuff right and and so and so also for agnes for fabian and sebastian each of them gave their own lives in a very particular way in order to witness to the place of the lord jesus it's very interesting for instance in in example like uh like san sebastian Mm -hmm. as a martyr he he was martyred by archers but at the same time he is the patron of archers as well you know (laughs) is is very is uh is good connection in other words you know so the 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 
the church in her wisdom has been has been very canny about this sort of thing. So, yeah. So so St. Sebastian's the one our, our readers will recognize vaguely the images, right? He's the guy with all the arrows sticking out of him, right? Um, well, just as the Lord Jesus bears the wounds of his crucifixion, but after his resurrection, they're no longer like wounds, they're trophies. So also the martyrs in our, our in our artwork bear the, the the instruments of their torture right. as signs of triumph of victory not uh, not not of defeat and so it's it's right that Fabian be the patron of archers because he died by arrow shot even though he wasn't actually an archer himself in the military and it's a, a little bit <laughs> crude to understand but at the same time is honoring honoring the victimaries in terms to honoring the really sacrifice to praise God through his own sacrifice. Sometimes um, sometimes the, the our connection to saints can seem pretty obvious, right? So like so like um, Saint Lucy, right, her eyes, and so she's the patron saint of, of people with eye problems or something like that. But other times and, and again it's it's the fathers who, who give us all this. Knowing the fathers back and forward is just so important for everybody. Um, the, 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 they say, so just as the pagans intuited that there were sort of um, natural spirits who had care over the trees or over the brooks or over the, so, so the saints have now been given care or charge over particular facets of the world. That's what this patronage means. Not because we're like mini gods or something like that, but because the, the spirits that were supposed to take care of those things fell We've been given the role of angels, not because we're angelic beings, but we've been given their job in light of those who couldn't manage it. And, and in that way, human beings in life and death share in the work of God. Absolutely. Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Bell Construction. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org, joinserra.org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Savage Power. At Intervisions Healthcare, we see patients with unplanned pregnancies from ages 12 to 43. An unplanned pregnancy is traumatic at any age. For that reason, we specialize in educating, encouraging, and empowering vulnerable and at-risk mothers facing an unexpected pregnancy with the medical information and services necessary for them to make an informed decision. For more information on the free medical services at Intervisions Healthcare or to support our mission or become a volunteer, visit IVHcare.org. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by CTO. What great news for donors to the Catholic Tuition Organization. You now receive 75%. Yes, 75% of your donation back in Iowa tax credits beginning January 1st of this year. Your support has helped thousands of students attend our Catholic schools. Best gift ever. Online. CTOiowa.org. At CTO, the bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. 
Welcome back to Binadafrey, Iowa Catholic Radio. In connection to this uh, discussion in terms of martyrs, monks, sacrifice, and deeply love to Jesus Christ himself, this coming Sunday, the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, the second reading from the letter from, from the first letter from St. Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 to 30, uh, it's a very eloquent discussion, what is the meaning of our body mm-hmm. in our life? So let us begin. Brothers and sisters, as a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many are one body, so also Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free persons, and we were all given to drink of one spirit. Now the body is not a single part, but many. So if a foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it does not for this reason belong any less to the body. Or if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it does not for this reason belong any less to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God placed the parts, each one of them, in the body as he intended. If they were all one part, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, nor again the head to the feet, I do not need you. Indeed, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are all the more necessary, and those parts of the body that we consider less honorable we surround with greater honor. And our less presentable parts are treated with greater propriety, because our more presentable parts do not need this. But God has so constructed the body as to give greater honor to a part that is without it, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the parts may have the same concern for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts share in its joy. Now you are Christ's body, and individually parts of it. Some people God has designated in the church to be first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then mighty deeds, then gifts of healing, assistance, administration, and varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work mighty deeds? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know the passage is long. And I'm sure most of our our listeners will probably hear the shortened version at Mass on Sunday. But I think it's important to hear the whole thing because St. Paul is kind of driving this metaphor home and home and home. And he is, as, as you said during the break, Father, he's not only making a point about Christ here. He's also making an important point about bodies. It's very eloquent, that description about church, building community, unity. And Christ, Christ-centric, Christ is the center of our life. I, be, between you were uh, li- listening, when I was listening, when you, when you read the epistle, it's beautiful how we can imagine the Holy See, diocesan level, parish level, that everybody are part of the Church of Christ himself, you know? It's not an, a separate entities or uh, certain disgregation, mm-hmm. disgregation from the entire body of Christ himself. So this is a very good invitation for us to build in community in our local churches, even also in our family, to have a Jesus Christ as a center of our life. You know, I don't know what your experience of this has been, Father, but I know that mine as a priest is that some of my more privileged moments of priesthood have come precisely 
when I'm functioning as a priest, not where I'm assigned. Uh, in, in those moments, um, you know, at Christ the King, we have a, a mission in Tanzania. And so most of the time, this time of year, I'm actually in Africa. I'm not here in, in Iowa. But there's something very beautiful about the fact that the Bishop of Des Moines does not know the Bishop of, of Moshi in Tanzania. But they, but they each have a personal relationship with the Pope of Rome. And that is what allows me to be able to go from Des Moines to Tanzania and to function as a priest. And, and, and when I go to function as a priest there, now, of course, I don't have all of the, um, the cultural intelligence, the cultural capacities that I need to pastor sort of regularly <laughs> or something, right? But, um, but I am a priest, and the people of God know that. And when, they, and when they know and recognize one's priesthood, when they know and recognize where one fits in the body, right. they're very happy to make use of it. And likewise, I don't need then to go and do somebody else's job. I, I, I'm, I'm for what I'm for and therefore what they're for. And together, it makes a great sort of symphony. And also it's an action of humility that each of us has a specific role in the dynamic of the functionality and operating of the church. I mean, I'm talking specifically about the parish life, you know? Right, of course. This, this is seen probably most clearly, but not limited to the liturgy, right? Absolutely. So, so, so when, when we arrogate to ourselves parts of the, the liturgy that are not sort of properly ours, we wind up disordering the thing and making it more about ourselves. And that's as true for, for a priest as for a layman. Um, but, but likewise, sort of extra liturgically, when we're just doing sort of the business of the church, you know, if somebody, um, if the finance council tries to go rogue and make a purchase without consulting the pastor, this causes great harm and great scandal and lack of trust and all kinds of sin because that's not what they're for. That's not what we're for. And, and they only work when they work together. It's beautiful also through this reading between lines and Paul how described the action of the of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tried to maintain these spiritual uh, bridges mm -hmm. between needs and actions as well that make it functionally, you know? One of the things that struck me reading this new this time than, than was the case last time it came up, right? Um, you know, I've had both my feet rebuilt in the last year. Oh. And when you when you have a major physical alteration like that, you become really, really aware. Like most of us don't think about our feet unless they hurt. When suddenly you can't walk or you have to have major surgery to rebuild part of your body, you are super aware of that part of your body. Absolutely. And and it's not only that the rest of the body doesn't work well without the foot, the foot doesn't work without the rest of the body. Absolutely. And finally, how we can send a message to identify my role at the church, specifically in this context when, when the bishop had been asking us how he wants to listen from us, for the church, how we can help him to move him forward together, you know? Mutual discernment is the name of the game. So, so each of us individually has to be listening. The bishop and the pastors of the church have to be listening, and we have to be listening to each other to make sure that what we're doing is genuinely God's will and not just what I want to do. Father, before ending our edition, could you please send the with your blessing? May the God who calls each one according to his own good purpose keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Christ Jesus. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Jesus is on the way to encounter you. Be Not Afraid is underwritten by Associated Ophthalmologists. 